is the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast. Picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rake Fanica. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be a Better Investor podcast. It's a podcast where I speak to the leading investors and business leaders in South Africa about their personal equity portfolios. Uh, we talk about their biggest wins, their biggest mistakes, and we also uh, discuss how they decide which shares to buy. My guest today is Chepo Modiba. He's been in the investment business for more than 15 years. He is currently the Chief Investment Officer at Canon Asset Managers, and uh, he's also the founder and director of Sereti Capital Partners. Chepo, thanks so much for joining me today. I want to start off with your qualifications. You studied mathematical statistics of all things. How did you move from mathematical statistics into the investment world? Thank you for having me, Ray. I would like to tell you that it was uh, all very calculated and made through strategic decisions, but I really, I think, stumbled on the industry. A friend of mine just highlighted that there was an investment role available when I was finished with Varsity, and I happened to apply. And that was my entry into the industry. I haven't looked back since then, but yeah, it wasn't a grand plan when I was uh, much younger. So it was your first job and you liked it and then uh, that determined your career? Pretty much. I've always had an affinity for numbers and, and that's why I, I studied just about everything mathematical that you could do at Varsity. And investments is driven by a lot of numbers, so it speaks to me. Absolutely. Very interesting indeed. But let's talk about your personal investment approach. When did you buy your very first share and what was it? My very first share in my personal capacity dates back to, I want to say 2010. I took a stab at my first bit of research was covering what was a company called Pinnacle Technology at the time. I found it incredibly fascinating as an analyst covering it. Um, so that was my first stab at, at my own PA portfolio. And was that a successful investment? It actually was. I call it fortunate because I think at the time it was a lot more art than science. Um, I was fortunate that it did incredibly well until I needed the money. And so, yeah, the share price appreciated quite significantly. Now, you are a professional investor. You are responsible for managing many people's pension funds, their savings. And in many ways, you will determine how comfortable they will ever retire. And uh, that is a very important and big responsibility to have. Does your personal investment approach differ from your uh, professional investment approach? Not at all. Well, there is one subtle difference. As a business, we don't focus in the private equity space. Um, so I, I do dabble in investments in my personal capacity and in private businesses. Um, but beyond that, anything listed, there's a, a seamless match between my approach to, to the personal side and, and, and what we do as a business. I think that's also a function of capacity. Every bit of time that I have, I dedicate it to, to understanding portfolios that we'll invest in as, as a business. So you don't have a different risk appetite for, for your own money versus other people's savings money? I guess the risk appetite is translated in the non or unlisted investments. Typically, 
I'm a big uh, supporter of entrepreneurship. I'm so happy to support new startup businesses. As an investment professional, we typically aren't looking at companies at that early stage. So tell us about your portfolio. What are your biggest investments and which shares do you really think will perform very well in the near term? That's tricky. I, I got nervous there. You said near term. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to do well in the near term. What I do, though, I have is a hope that a few stocks will do well at some point. Um, I, I have no way of, of figuring out what that time frame will be. Um, in terms of as a business, as an individual, we scour both the local market and the uh, international market for opportunities. I think on the local side, a company that uh, is particularly interesting and attractive for me is Afrimat for a few reasons. I think if you look at uh, the South African mining environment over the better part of the last two decades, I think we can agree that there's been a structural underinvestment in mining. If you look at CapEx spend over that period, it's actually it hasn't grown at all. And exploration funding has lagged behind the other uh, majors uh, in terms of resource production around the world quite meaningfully. Um, what that's meant is that there's a handful of really high level, both greenfield and brownfield projects that have become available in Afrimat has quite strategically acquired some high quality assets in that space and, and I think are well positioned to do incredibly well from that. They bought the iron ore operation out of business rescue and they've also diversified into coal, which I think they did it at the, the best time they could have done it. A very interesting company indeed. They've also gone into manganese. They bought, uh, I think it's Kravenhag uh, asset last year. I think that will come online in the next couple of years. So the diversification part of it is a good component. I said near term earlier and you said you know that scares you but I've got an investment portfolio and I look at it every day I get an email with the breakdown of it and the performance of the individual shares and when they go down especially if they're down you know more than four or five percent I don't like it I really don't and of course I'm an amateur investor but I'm sure for a professional investor like you it's also be slightly concerning even those short-term or daily movements or how do you look at it? I think part of any investor's psyche is really informed by a few components. One, the first is, I guess, when you join the market. I joined the industry in 2007, and a year later, or a year and a bit later, was one of the biggest financial crashes of all time. And what that period taught me is that firstly there's underlying risk with you know, just about any investment but just as importantly to look through the short-term volatility because if you positioned yourself quite well coming out of that the downside meant quite a, a meaningful bounce in certain sectors not across the board so i think that traumatic period that I entered the industry in essentially has sheltered me from short-term volatility. It isn't pleasant seeing your stocks that you've taken a view on 
you know, pull back in the market. But I think that context has always helped my understanding. And as we highlighted at the beginning of it, I, I am a statistician by training. And part of that is understanding that in a lot of spaces, the long term is your best friend. And uh, that is the approach that, that I apply to my investment. Let's talk about the private equity part of your portfolio. It is a very difficult market to enter. It is very, very risky compared to listed equities. You know, that may be the perception of most people. How do you get into the private equity space as an individual? What us investment professionals spend a lot of time doing is making investments in businesses seem like a particularly complex enterprise. The reality is, I think a lot of individuals, you could argue, are either venture capitalists in their personal capacity, probably more venture capitalists than private equity. Um, That is to say, if you are a part owner of a shop or a part owner of some plant that produces bricks, or whatever the case is, effectively you are an example of a venture capitalist who has a allocation to unlisted investments. And I think that's the mindset that broadly people should incorporate in their assessment of their overall investment portfolio. Having said that, I am fortunate enough to have a wide range of a pretty good network of highly talented people across various sectors. And as part of that, one gets sight of interesting opportunities in different sectors. And if the balance sheet allows for it, then we explore investments into that. Yeah, that is an interesting approach. And I believe those networks are absolutely critical because you need to discuss your view and bounce it off other people. And I think in many ways, people look at numbers. And as you said, you're a statistician, but sometimes you need the opinion of other people as well. How much do you rely on the views of people you trust in your investment decisions? I think you highlight a very important point within the opportunity set on the unlisted side. Uh, Ultimately, most of it is really personal network. In terms of what informs the final investment decision, I pay as little credence to other people's opinions as possible. What I try to do is make the underlying investment thesis of a particular company, whether it's listed or not, determine my end decision. I like to let essentially the numbers speak for themselves. So you want to assess a business by its strengths and weaknesses and build in some sort of financial projection or financial model that informs your decision making. Ultimately, that will help mitigate against any inherent biases that come from other people's opinions. Do you invest in crypto at all? No, not as yet. My fundamental premise is that it may come across as quite boring, um, but if I can't identify the drivers of uh, capital appreciation or income, and again, I'm putting this on me rather than an assessment that they don't exist, but if I can't identify those drivers, then I don't invest in a particular instrument because I essentially haven't found 
a consistent way of assessing what's going to drive the appreciation of cryptocurrencies, I shy away from it. But have you looked at it? I have looked at it. I look at a few different ones, Bitcoin being the most prominent. But again, because I, I don't really understand what drives the short-term and long-term uh, movements, I have not invested. Now let's get to the question everybody waits for. What was your best investment ever and uh, what was your worst one ever? <laughs> In reality... Some of the best investments have been essentially in, in time spent and understanding investments. So I've been fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time at NYU University with Professor Damodaran, who is essentially a guru on how to value businesses. I've been fortunate enough to do quite a bit of reading around different investment professionals' thoughts and viewpoints on what drives good investments or what drives bad investments. And that time spent has been an, essentially an investment in building tools that allow me to discern the upside on a particular investment or not. And then in terms of some of the, the worst investments, there's been a, a handful um, we were invested in, um, as an example, in BP. I had actually a week before just upweighted the share in the portfolio um, the week before the Gulf of Mexico oil spill. And the share price then halved within the space of a day. We've been invested in Gijima and, and I think we were buying um, in and around one rand 22 cents a share and the who am i uh, contract was under dispute and the share price plummeted so there's been a handful of of instances where the market catches you and i think the important bit for any investor because i almost feel like it's inevitable that you'll find those is that you spend time um, assessing uh, how you got it wrong. I think the how you got it wrong is almost just as important as how you got it right. Did you get out quickly or did you sit on your hands? Unfortunately, uh, in the case of Kijima, we sat on our hands. So no, we didn't get out quickly. I guess that's also one of the, the learnings. If you are going to panic, you probably need to panic very quickly. <laughs> then there are many... Amateur investors who are trying to build portfolios and uh, they like to do it themselves as part of a learning curve. What are the biggest mistakes you think amateur investors make? I think one of the mistakes is essentially not doing your own research and not coming up with your own viewpoint of why you're being invested in a particular company or asset class and rather leaning on other people's viewpoints. I think that's probably the biggest mistake that people make. My personal view is if you're going to be right or wrong, uh, you should be right or wrong based on your assessment. That way you can essentially do a, an audit as to what drove the decision making to, to align you in a particular path. Jebo, thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights and uh, may your investment portfolio go to new highs. Hopefully uh, the uh, private equity or the venture capital 
uh, counters uh, do really well because I think uh, that is a very interesting space and I think there's a lot of room there because it not only can create wealth, it can also build our economy because successful businesses uh, is one of the key pillars of a successful economy and it may solve a lot of our social problems. So good luck with that. Thank you kindly, sir. Thank you for, for your time, Rick. That was Chepo Modiba. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Canon Asset Managers. He's also a founder and a director of Sereti Capital Partners. Show me the money. That was the Money Web, the A Better Investor podcast with Rake for Kneecap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the MoneyWeb podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.